Good morning, everybody. Uh, today's reading is from Second Corinthians uh, chapter one, verses three and four. Praise be to the God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Good morning, church. So um, this year so far, we have been focusing our attention on the topic of relationships. And so far, we have um, consistently have been reminded of one very important fact, one very important thing about relationships, that our relationships are um, influenced, uh, informed, and fueled by love. Now you ask, well, how do we know this for a fact, Jay? Is this just something that we just made up? Well, we didn't. Because Jesus himself, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, gives us the priority in his kingdom. He tells us that um, loving God with everything that we are, heart, soul, mind, and also in the accounts in Mark and Luke, strength, so the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, right? That is how we love God. And he says here that this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So in this passage, Jesus tells us the two most important relationships in our life. And this is what he expects of every single person on earth. Love for God and love for other people. And in this particular passage, we understand the, the necessity of love in our relationships. And this is what God wants from us. This is what God wants his people to be, is to grow in our love for him and for other people. In First uh, uh, John 4, 7 and 8, it says, Brothers and sisters, um, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. And the fact that God is love has a lot of implications for us. That because He is God and He is love, then we ought to love ourselves. Because if we didn't, that passage in First John says, you don't really know who God is. And you're not really born of God. Okay? That's what it's saying. So this morning, what we want to do is this. We want to have a deeper appreciation of that sentence. God is love. What does it really mean? We hear it all the time. God is love. But what does it really mean? So this morning, we're going to go deep. We are going to look into the most, uh, the most crucial, the strongest and the most profound expression of God's love for his people. And that is compassion. When we think God is love, we want us to think God is compassionate. Do you guys remember um, the first ever word 
that God describes himself as. Remember in, 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 in Genesis 34, when uh, his glory appeared before Moses? He was appearing before Moses, and then he said this, something. Do you know the first word that he used to describe himself? Is that. Look at Genesis, uh, Exodus 34, verse 6. Exodus 34, I'm sorry. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And it's no coincidence that in Colossians, the Apostle Paul used the exact same word to, to, to tell the Christians what we ought to be because we are Christians. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Brothers and sisters, we have a God who is a God of compassion. And so this morning, we are going to look into the implications of that for us. If we have a God of compassion as our God, then we need to be a people of compassion. And that is what we're going to talk about this morning. And as we talk about this, we are going to see who God really is. And when we get to know him that, you know, at that level deeper, we are going to grow in our relationship with him and our relationship with one another as people of compassion. So with this, we are going to look at two things. First, we're going to talk about what compassion is. And then next, we're going to talk about how we cultivate God's compassion in our lives today as Christians. So let's start with the what. Okay? What is compassion? Why is it that God used that word to describe himself? The first word that he used in Exodus 34. And why is it that the Apostle Paul used that word to describe us as God's people? What is so special about compassion? So what we're going to do is we are going to appreciate what compassion is by comparing it with the two most, two words that, uh, that, that we throw around just haplessly and equate it with compassion. Okay, those two words are this. Sympathy. And empathy. Have you guys heard of these words? These are very important words. Very important for us. We need to learn all of these. But do you guys, do we know the difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion? When we do, we're going to find out in just a few seconds here. When we do, we're going to understand what compassion is. And we're going to understand that compassion is the most important expression of God's love. Sympathy is understanding and recognizing that somebody is in pain, that somebody is struggling. You look at somebody and you go, oh, they're struggling. That is sympathy. And, you know, uh, have you guys sent sympathy cards before to people? Saying, you know, I'm sorry for your loss or something like that, right? We, we understand that they're going through something, but we can't relate because we don't know what that's like. That's, that's okay. But sympathy goes a step further. Uh, so empathy goes a step further. 
Sympathy is knowing that that person is in pain, but empathy is sitting in with that person and feeling that pain with that person. When we empathize with somebody, we sit in their shoes. We try to understand what's going on with them. We feel their thoughts. We, we feel their pain. We understand. It's not just we understand, we know what they're going through. We can, we, 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 we're there with them. Okay? Empathy says, I understand. I know what you're going through. But compassion takes it an even step further. Okay? Sympathy says, I'm sorry for your loss. Empathy says, I know what you're going through. Compassion is doing something about it. Do you guys guys see the difference now? How that progresses? I know that you're going through something. I feel you. How can I help? That's compassion. Do you guys remember Job? This is the best example. Job and his friends. Do you guys remember when Job's friends were the most helpful? Okay, Job went through a really bad time. He lost literally everything and then some because he, he, he was added boils on his skin. Okay, they were the le- Job's friends were the least helpful when they opened their mouths. Because that's how they thought they could help Job to tell him why he was going through things. But that's not compassion. I'm going to help you, but here's how I'm going to help you. I don't care if you need it. This is, that's not compassion. Job's friends were the most helpful when they sat with Job in sackcloth, mourning with him. That's compassion. Being there for them. Going through it with them. Trying to comfort them. Alleviating their pain. That is the compassion of God. That is the love that God has for us. He knows what we're going through. He understands because remember what, uh, what Tyler just talked to us about, about Jesus? He knows what we're going through because he went through it. He suffered for us. He knows. But then he just doesn't stop there. He did something about it. He came to earth and suffered. He comforted us. He found a way for us. That is the compassion compassion of God. The book of Isaiah tells us exactly what this compassion is all about. Um, If you're not familiar with the book of Isaiah, it's in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books. It has 66 chapters. And in this book, if you read it, you probably want to put it down right away because it's just full of judgment at the start. God was filled, God in this book is filled with righteous anger and indignation for the people of Israel and for the people of the world. He was pronouncing judgment on them, telling them how rebellious they have been, telling them how sinful they have been, telling Israel, you have forgotten our covenant. You have forsaken me. And so this is going to be the judgment that I pass on to you. This is what's going to happen to you. But then halfway through the book, you guys know what happened? Halfway through the book, 
the compassion of God came springing up. This is what happened. This is what, this is what happened. Isaiah 30. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. Isn't that amazing? And then he doesn't stop there. He describes what this compassion is all about. In Isaiah chapter 49, look at this. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I, God, will not forget you. You know, the word compassion in, in the Hebrew is, the, is, is, uh, is taken from the root word of the Hebrew word for womb. Right? So in my mind, it's like today when people say, oh, you have guts. It means you're brave. But back then, when you say you have guts, it means you have compassion for someone. It's in the gut. That compassion is not going to forget. It's like that compassion, that love that a, that, a, that, a, that a mother has for her child. The mother knows what is going on with that child. The mother knows that that child is in pain. Have you guys, have you guys seen mothers at work? They hear a cry. It doesn't matter where. In a church building, it doesn't matter where. Hear a cry. Oh, I know. That's my child. Right? And they know exactly what the cry is all about. The cry could be like a cry of distress. The cry is a cry of annoyance. Or the cry is just a cry for attention. They know. They feel that cry. That's the empathy. But then, the compassion is, I want to do something about that cry. I will be there for my child. That is the love of God for us. That's his compassion for us. But before I get there, God being a compassionate God is not enough for him. It's not enough that God is a compassionate God. He wants his people to be like him as well. I just show you that verse, right? Luke 6, 36. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And now the question is this. That was the what. How exactly do we do that? How do we be compassionate as God is compassionate? Okay. Let's go back to last week's sermon from Wayne. Remember Wayne talked to us about the apostles of Jesus? That the apostles of Jesus were just normal people like me and you. You know, for some reason we have this idealistic and, you know, uh, and romantic view of the apostles. That they were right away like perfect people or mature people in Christ. The apostles also had to grow up. They also had to learn from the master. They also had to follow Jesus so that they could be compassionate. But at the onset, many of them weren't. And we know this for a fact. Because Wayne talked to us last week about the sons of thunder. Do you guys know who they were? The sons of thunder? James and John. They're brothers. They're the sons of thunder because why? Do you guys remember why they're called the sons of thunder? Because they had anger issues. Their temper flared. They, they always wanted to do things. They're impatient. 
But that combination of attitudes and, 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 and behaviors and personality does not bode well for being compassionate. When we're easily angered, we easily judge. And when we easily judge, we don't really help. And we, we are not compassionate. We do not mirror the compassionate love that God has for people. Okay? Do you guys remember when Jesus was coming down into Samaria to go to Jerusalem because he, he's going to be crucified there? On his way down, he had to stop at a, at a particular town in Samaria. But what happened was the people there did not want him. It's like, you're not welcome here, Jesus. And the apostles saw this. Okay? James and John were there. The sons of thunder. And do you guys remember what, what they said? This is what they said. Notice the lack of compassion in what they said. Right here. In Luke 9.54, when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? How do you view people? How do you view the world? You know, before I got married to Linda, I thought many things that were wrong. Okay? That didn't make sense. But I thought that was the way the world's supposed to go. Case in point, I didn't realize that you're supposed to wash your sheets at least twice a month or something. I thought you did that on your birthday. Every year. Okay? But Linda, 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 Linda showed me, right? It's the same thing. Well, maybe you're probably going, what? It's every two weeks. What? It's the same thing. It's the same thing with dealing with people. Before we knew Jesus, before we realized the loving and compassionate heart of God, we thought, right? We thought, um, okay, uh, I'm going to start being nice to you <laughs> when you start being smart. You know what I'm saying? I thought that was the going rate as well. I thought, you know what? I don't like you. I don't like the way you dress. I don't like that you do this, 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 and this. And so mm, I got no time for you. But that is not the compassion of God. Now we know, right? Because now we are exposed to the compassionate heart of God. We cannot let our biases hide the light under a bushel of Jesus. We cannot let our preference, our beliefs, and our values hinder us from showing people the love of God, the compassion of God. Okay? I want us to go deep. I want, us, I want you guys to think while you're there. Okay? I'm going to show you guys a bunch of pictures from, uh, of people. And I want you to think this as you, see the, as, you, as you see these. Okay? Who are you going to sit with? If, for example, you come into the church building on a Sunday morning and you see these people sitting there. Or you're sitting there and they sit beside you. What are you going to do? Or they approached you and they talked to you. What are you going to think? 
Are you going to judge them harshly right away? Are you going to be able to show the compassionate love of God to them? Are you going to look at them as if they, uh, as, as God looks at people, as precious souls, as someone who is created in the image and likeness of Jesus, of God? Or are we going to condemn them even before we start talking to them? Okay, are you guys ready for the picture? Right here. Are you going to talk to them? Are you going to, um, to reach out to them? Are we going to have them experience Jesus for themselves through us? Or are we going to say, uh, too hard. It's too much. Too difficult. Look at these guys. They're not like me. I don't want to deal with them. See, that is not the compassion of God. That is not the love of God. The love of God is sacrificial. The love of God is genuine. With actions. With actions. Okay. This verse right here. Matthew 4 verse 19. The first thing that we need to understand is this. How do we show the compassion of God in our lives? First thing. We need to allow Jesus to change us. This call right here. Matthew 4.19, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. It's the, it's, it's the call that he gave to his apostles, his first disciples, because they were fishermen. He called them by the sea. He told them, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. This call is the exact same call for each and every one of us. The logic is this. If we follow Jesus... We are going to do what he did. We are going to, to do what he tells us to do. He's going to be our teacher. He's going to be Lord over us. Not me, Lord over me. Him, Lord over me. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what my bias is. Doesn't matter what I'm uncomfortable with. It matters only what he says. And he wants me to have a heart that is a heart of compassion. But when we follow him, this is his promise. He's going to make us into what he wants us to be. See that? He will make us. He's going to grow us. He's going to mature us. He's going to transform us into people who lead others to Jesus. We're going to be fishers of people. But a lot of times we think of fishers of men or fishers of people as, well, if I'm going to be a fisherman, that means I sit down with people and study the Bible with them. We have this narrow view of being a fisher of people. We think, you, you know, 
fisher of men means you're good at Bible study. That's like this much. We forget about what really, the 98% of what it is. Is God making sure that we are ready to see people the way that he sees people? Precious, important, made in his image and likeness. And they have dignity. It doesn't matter. But sometimes, I know, have you guys met somebody who has fallen down the level of humanity that in their anger, in their violence, in the way that they live, they appear subhuman? Have you guys met people like that? That you would not want your kids to be around them? God tells us that this heart of compassion that we need to have in our hearts would view them in a positive light. That we need to have a positive regard for people. It doesn't matter where they are in their life. It doesn't matter how many tattoos or, or piercings that they have. You know, some people are, you know, are, 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 uh, are, are uncomfortable with that. It doesn't matter the type of sin that they're involved in. Because we know that they need Jesus. They know, we, we know that they need to see the light of Jesus through us. And that's why we are here. But we need to first and foremost allow Jesus to work through us. And when we do that, when we do that, when we're compassionate with people, you know what happens? We apply what Alvaro read to us this morning in our scripture reading. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God of compassion is not just something that we say because it's cool to say. The implication is that since we have a God of compassion, now we become the people of compassion that he wants us to be so that the comfort and compassion that he has given to us, we can also give to other people. We need to pay attention to that. We need to understand that that is the way that we need to live. Now, do you remember the Sons of Thunder we were talking about earlier? That they had to do a little growing, they had to do a little maturing. We see, for example, the Apostle John. We see how he has grown over the years. We see how he, how he became the compassionate and loving disciple that God wanted, wanted him to be. From that time when he said, do you want us to call thunder on, uh, you know, or, you know, do you want us to like annihilate these people? From that to this. Look at this. In 1 John 3, 17 to 18, he allowed Jesus to change him. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is the, a different person that we saw before 
on their way to Samaria with Jesus. Different person. And in this particular verses, in these two verses, we see the key on where we can start as we, as we strive to have the compassionate heart that Jesus has, that God has. First, look at verse 17. We cannot be apathetic to the needs of people. We need to be sensitive to people's needs. We need to start with sympathy. We need to understand when people are actually suffering. We need to know when they're suffering. We can't turn a blind eye on people when they're suffering. We can't say, oh, it's not my problem. And then we want to feel that. Because if we do not feel what they feel, we're not going to help. We're not going to have that compassion that God has for people. That's the first thing that we need to do. We need to actually care for people. When we say love God and love others, it means care for other people. We got to see them as people. And then number two, look at number two. Look at verse 18. Our love needs to be real. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be with actions. And it's got to be rooted in the truth of God's word. We have to help them the way that they need to be helped. Not the way I think they need to be helped. You know, there's this guy that I was... His, I, I got introduced to his work this year. Okay, As I take a counseling uh, skills course. His name is Landon Saunders. Have you guys heard of him? Probably not because I, I've never heard of him until this year. His name's Landon Saunders. Right now, he's probably 80 or 90 years old. He lives in the States, but he's a member of the church. But what's special, a church, the Church of Christ. But what's important about him, what's really cool about him, is that he was a certified marriage and family therapist in the States. So he's like a counselor, a certified counselor. But what's cool about him is that he was the most sought after MFT, marriage and family therapist in the States. He would always speak at MFT conferences all across the States. He was the guy. And you know what he called this? He called this compassion. You know what he called this? To have the compassionate heart that we want to have. He says, we need to care and we need to be genuine. You know what he called it? He called it radical human presence. You want to be compassionate like God? You need to practice radical human presence. You got to be there for people. You got to know what they're going through. You got to be able to sit with them. And you have to have a positive regard of them. It doesn't matter what they have done or what they're doing. Know that they need help. And know that they don't need your judgment right now. What they need from you is to be there. Radical human presence is being the person that an atheist would want to walk beside. A radical human presence is being the kind of person that perhaps a transgender person or a Buddhist person would want to be beside. That is radical human presence. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read to you to conclude an article, a short article that Landon Saunders wrote. And this concludes what we're talking about, compassion. It concludes the very heart of God 
that acts when we see people suffering, when we see somebody needing help. Okay, I'm going to read it to you, and then we're done. How we sit in this crisis. I am sitting by the bedside of a 13-year-old boy who has been mercilessly beaten by his father. His eyes are black, one swollen shut, his lips are bloody, his back and legs bleeding. And this was not the first time it had happened, not by far. I do not sit by his bed and launch into a discussion of how most fathers are good. That would be inappropriate and would reveal a moral insensitivity to the wrong he has suffered. I do not sit by his bed and point out his own mistakes. That would be heard as justification for his father's criminal behavior. I do not sit by his bed and treat him to a discussion of how far we've come from child labor and other mistreatment of children. Any of these approaches would deflect from indefensible and criminal behavior. And worse, they would reveal something terribly wrong in my own heart. A glaring moral immaturity or callousness. I would be part of the problem. Instead, I sit by the bedside of the beaten boy and hold his hand. I look at him. I say quiet words to him. What he feels in my touch, what he sees in my eyes, what he means, what, what, what he hears in the tone of my voice will either fully acknowledge his sense of worth and, and, and dignity as a human being or in his heart, he will wish I would just leave. Today, each of us sits in one way or another by the bedside of the deeply wounded among us. How we are present with those in pain either creates solidarity or deepens alienation. How we sit with one another can be healing or the wounded might simply wish we would leave. We want no one to be mistaken about with whom we sit. Only then is healing possible for a beaten boy or a wounded people. Brothers and sisters, we have a God who is a God of compassion. This morning, I encourage all of us to be the people of compassion that he desires us to be.